welcome to Cool Girls Look at Explosions. I'm Kelly. And hi, I'm Megan. And this is an action movie podcast where today we will be covering the 2017 iteration of the Power Rangers movie because we are millennials, so we needed to cover Power Rangers. I was very high going into this because (laughs) probably similar to yourself, I grew up absolutely loving the Power Rangers. I thought I was the Pink Ranger running around at recess. So I had very high hopes diving in. (laughs) Were they met or? (laughs) If this was a pool, I would not go for a second (laughs) swim. (laughs) I would nope myself on out of there. This was, okay, I would like to preface this with, listen to our podcast probably don't watch the movie if you haven't like we'll explain uh what happens to you so you don't need to go see it yeah you definitely don't need to watch the movie it's honestly very generic also like i don't think anything special happens here i didn't like hate it but yeah this is our second brian cranston movie in a row which is pretty funny so a few of the characters that were introduced to at the beginning just made me really, really excited. Like I just got super high on the film. I was like Brian Cranston. And then the next few actors that were introduced to in a row are also actors that I love. So I had like really high expectations for the first probably 15 minutes. And I think all you really need to do to make this movie good is cut out like probably the first hour. Yeah, it is a really long movie. The runtime on this is 124 minutes. This does not need to be over two hours. Like, I don't know who was thinking that you need to make a Power Rangers movie that's this long, but that was a really bad choice on their part. It was also very strange what they decided to focus on. So I think that there's some very classic tropes you want to hit in action movies. And One of those is emphasizing the gear and the gadgets and how to use them and training with them. And this seems to be something that they completely blew past. And I was so disappointed with that. We can get into it later and maybe I should save all this for in a bit. But I think with just a few tweaks here and there, it could have been really spectacular. And they just really missed on some really key points that we love watching the Power Rangers growing up and you want to keep those exciting parts alive. Yeah. I don't think this is a bad way to start. Cause you know, we got to bring the people in. We got to let them know, like we're coming in hot on this movie. We are Power Rangers stands. Like we're ready to take this on. Do not, not show me the gadgets. Do not, <laughs> not show me the gear. What the, f- what the heck? When, <laughs> when the gear is literally giant robot dinosaurs. That's such a missed opportunity. So as we'll, we'll touch on probably in half an hour, um, they don't start using their, their suits or, or their gear or these giant dinosaurs at all until the final battle. They're just like, oh, I guess we can use it now and have zero practice. <laughs> and it is truly infuriating. It's a lot. So the movie opens up and we see that we are on planet Earth, but it is the Cenozoic era. So we see this Red Ranger who basically grabs onto the Yellow Ranger and the Yellow Ranger's suit 
dissolves and it kind of looks like the yellow ranger is an alien underneath did you understand what was going on there so i think that they were all kind of aliens right like brian cranston who were introduced to he does not appear to be human that no one is speaking english um they all seem to be aliens at this point they all kind of look like, so the the people under the ranger suits that were introduced to in this first scene, they're like blue. They kind of look like mm-hmm. characters from maybe Avatar or, I don't know, something like that. They're, they're clearly not human. But yeah, so as discussed, the Red Ranger, we find out, is going to be played by Brian Cranston, and his character name is Zordon. Yes, so Zordon, as we can read on screen, um, he is apologizing for failing to save everyone. And after the Yellow Ranger dies, he communicates with Alpha 5, who's kind of our like fun assistant. He's this little robot. And he communicates to him that he wants Alpha 5 to send a meteor to destroy all life on Earth. Um, and then he demorphs. And he sends the rest of what we learn are called Ranger Power Coins away. And he instructs them to wait until they find people who are worthy of their power. And the first big issue I have in this movie is Power Coins. Like, you couldn't have thought of a better name. What the heck is that? Power Coins? And they're not even coins. They're clearly crystals. I don't know why yeah. they call them it's coins. Fair. Probably the least interesting term you could have used to describe these is coins. Like, I don't understand. But um, it's it's just frustrating. It's just very upsetting. If you could be in the room and just start slapping <laughs> some people, someone would say, ah, oh, power coins. And you'd say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Fired. <laughs> Maybe if we were in the writer's room, um, the other five sequels they had planned wouldn't have been canceled. So here in the scene, we are also introduced to one of the main characters of the film, the Green Ranger, who is named Rita Repulsa. And if that name didn't give you a hint, she is our villain. Um, (laughs) She is played by Elizabeth Banks, who wants to get the Zeo crystal for herself. This is a crystal that controls the universe and Zordon is currently defending the Zeo crystal. And he tells Rita that it's never going to happen. She's never going to get it. And uh, he says that, you know, over my dead body and a huge blast goes off, which is the meteor crashing into earth sent by alpha five. And here uh, Zordon dies, and we see Rita getting rocketed off into the ocean along with her power coin. We then jump to present day. Yes, and we meet Jason, who is played by Dr. Montgomery, who is, of course, from Stranger Things. And we see him and another friend, who I don't believe we ever get the friend's name, but maybe I'm mistaken. If we got the name, I truly did not care. Uh, But they're sneaking a cow into their high school for a classic prank. And there's one thing that I think we really need to talk about with this scene, which is that his friend describes that he was milking the cow, which we learn that the cow is a male cow. So did they slip in that this man jerked off a cow to completion? Yes, 100%. They thought that that was 
a very fun millennial joke that we're all going to love. And it was alarming to the ears. Uh, I did not like this joke. And they kind of brushed over it very quickly and as if everyone should be fine with this. Yeah, like, I don't want to brush over this. This is this is wild. Also, just as a friend, Jason didn't make fun of him enough for this. Like, your friend is saying, oh, don't worry, the cow is super relaxed now. I milked her before bringing her in. You realize that it's a male cow and that your friend just jerked off a cow. How is this not a huge recurring conversation where you're like, wait, 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 what did you just do? How is this not just the rest of the movie trying to figure out this (laughs) man's thinking? Yeah, it's not good. And yeah, so it's brushed past and essentially the two guys, they hear some cops coming So they run out, get into a car, and essentially there's a little car crash scene. Jason crashes the car, and the next scene we see Jason being driven home with an ankle monitoring bracelet. So I want to talk about pranks for a second. Yeah. This is is not a prank. Like, just leaving a cow in a location, (laughs) is that a prank? I don't know. Like, I was never that much of a prankster in high school. I feel like we had, like, one senior prank every year, and a couple ones that people did, like, they would hide um, alarm clocks in, like, the ceiling of the school, which was pretty funny, and set them off to go off at the same time on, like, a certain day. But yeah, like, I don't even know where you would go about finding a cow, but I guess I also grew up in the city, so maybe that's why. To start with, the alarm clock prank. One, a prank. Two, very funny. Thank you. This is not a prank. And, like, not to take Sam, uh, Jason's dad's side on this, because the actor is played (laughs) by the same actor as Roy from The Office, and I don't really want to be on his (laughs) side. But this was objectively not worth it. Like, Jason loses uh, his football scholarships, Scouters can't come see him. Apparently, this was supposed to be his future career. And instead, he's stuck in detention for the rest of the year. In addition, when the cops came, the cow is seen leaving the school. So the cow didn't even stay in the school. They kind of just jerked the cow off, walked him in and out of the school. (laughs) This cow is having the worst day ever. Like, the cow's probably just chilling in the fields, like, grazing, doing whatever cows do. It gets unceremoniously taken, shoved into the back of this stupid kid's truck, brought to his school, jerked off, and then almost hit by cop cars. Yeah, it's it's a ridiculous way to start a Power Rangers movie. The mighty Morphin Power Rangers would not stand off. <laughs> they would not stand for this. I could just imagine, like, someone coming in late to this movie and seeing that scene, and they're like, oh, I must be in the wrong theater. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. Now, at detention, uh, we are introduced to Billy Cranston, who is played by R.J. Clyder, who plays my favorite character on I'm Dying Up Here, uh, Adam. And oh my goodness, I was so excited to see him. Now, I was like a little sleepy watching this. And the fact that his name is Billy Cranston which we have Jason played by Billy from Stranger Things and Brian Cranston really confused me for the first few minutes. 
Yeah, I, I agree. For me, there's too many similar names, but don't worry. After a brief moment of confusion, I found clarity. And now I understand <laughs> who plays who. But they really should not have named this character Billy Cranston. So he is in, like, Power Rangers. The character is named Billy Cranston. So I think they just wanted to use the actual character names from the show. That's from, like, fair. Mighty Morphin. And everyone is much more clever than I am. They should not have cast maybe characters named Billy and Brian Cranston just for like me personally for the first five (laughs) minutes of this film who was like mildly not paying attention slightly confused and then jumped back into it (laughs) fair enough but yeah this Saturday detention I don't think this is a real thing right like we only ever see this in movies like the breakfast club and I guess this yeah I I have not been to detention um before so I'm not sure what it's like, I I don't think it would be on a weekend. That seems like a time that people can't make you go into school. In addition, I don't know what teacher would volunteer for this. None of them. That'd be so stupid. Yeah. Also, I don't really understand why Billy has an ankle monitor for walking a cow. <laughs> that seems like an extreme reaction. I think because he ran from the cops, maybe. They didn't like that. He did crash his car, and, like, he was driving pretty dangerously. But, yeah, it it's... The whole thing is so silly. We do also know that, like, Billy... Or, sorry. Oh, my gosh, no, I'm gonna do it the whole time. We know that Jason yep. is a big sports guy, and he, like, was supposed to be this big deal, and blah, blah, blah. He's, you know... He was supposed to be the big thing, so maybe it was one of those trying to teach him a lesson situations with the cops, because it does seem like Sam, um, Jason's dad, has some kind of pull in this town, so. Yeah, I feel like the kinds of people you make an example of in society are like when a celebrity is trying to get away with a crime they thought they could pay their way out of, or something like that. I don't think some kid that plays football at high school whose career is over because he can't play this season. Like, obviously, you're not like you're not all that. Yeah, it's so dumb. So we're in detention and we see a bully who starts picking on this one student who's organizing some pencil crayons. And we learn that that student will be Billy Cranston. And, of course, Jason, our main character, who we immediately know is going to be the protagonist of this film, stands up for Billy Cranston and slaps the bully across the face, which is probably the best scene in the movie. The slapping is excellent. It's such a good little addition. It's so much funnier than punching him in the face. And also, it makes me really like Jason because Billy is, spoiler, by far the best character um, yeah, Billy's and great. And so anyone willing to stand up for Billy in any way, you're you're going to get a big yes from me. Yes. And we meet one of these girls who's in detention. Um, we find out later that her name's Kimberly, so I'm just going to refer to her as that. So Kimberly gets a text to go to the ladies' room. She goes in there, and there's two girls in the bathroom who confront her about a mysterious situation where apparently she had sent a picture that... You know, based on context clues, we can assume was probably somewhat inappropriate of one of these other two girls to some guy named Ty. This whole thing is kind of hard to follow. (laughs) 
But uh, the two girls basically are like, hey, you're not allowed to come to cheerleader practice anymore, and we're cutting you out of our little friend trio. Yeah. So, I don't know, do you want to discuss the situation now? Yeah, we can kind of explain what happened. Um, Basically, do we know the other girl's name? Yeah, so Amanda is the girl whose photo got sent. So what happened is, is that Amanda, who's best friends with Kimberly, sent her an inappropriate photo to say, like, hey, I'm thinking of sending this to my boyfriend kind of thing. Like, do you think I look cute? I don't know. I've never done this, but I don't know. So Kimberly then has this revealing photo of her, sends it to her boyfriend, and is, like, kind of making fun of her. And her boyfriend shares it around school as well. So Kimberly, who we learn is going to be the Pink Ranger, was my favorite character uh, growing up. And I am so disappointed that this is the story that they gave her because it is truly unforgivable. (laughs) It's a weird move. Like, I guess they kind of wanted to tackle this whole epidemic of, like inappropriate photos and like revenge porn and stuff which like good on them for trying to have a message but it just it's really hard to follow in this context in terms of like we have to learn everyone's backstory basically and I just feel like it doesn't really get enough weight (laughs) to be something that they should have uh, included I guess. Yeah, we dive in a little deeper onto this situation a little bit later in the film but I feel like someone who is supposed to be a very beloved character, you've essentially made her a villain, at least to me. Like if you are sending around naked photos of your good friend, mocking them, like that's irredeemable. Like 10 minutes into the movie, you've ruined the character. Like it's, that's not something you can take back. It's especially weird because it doesn't seem like Amanda would really did anything to Kimberly. Like, Kimberly just kind of did this unprovoked. It's not like Kimberly and Amanda were, like, enemies or something, or Kimberly hated Amanda. They were also friends. So it's just, like, a weird move to write this story in altogether. Yeah. Kimberly is seen saying that she got upset at her boyfriend for also sharing the photo. And so I think that's something that she's saying in her own defense, but... Like, if you think he did something terrible, like, look in the mirror, because you did it first. Yeah. Just, if you're going to send a naked photo, just, like, send it to as few people as possible. Unless that's your game and you, like, don't care, then, yeah, send it to whoever. But you got to make sure either you're sending it to people you trust or that you are fine with the effects of having a naked photo shown to everyone, I guess. Yeah, it's just ridiculous that we're supposed to like this character after finding out her backstory. Yeah, and then, of course, because she's so damaged and upset by these two girls' breaking friend breaking up with her, she grabs some scissors and she cuts all her hair off into a long bob. And this always bothers me so much in movies because, like, I mean, I have personally definitely cut my own hair, especially when I was, like, a little kid and I would try and, like, cut my own bangs because I thought I was like gonna be able to do it properly but no way is she gonna cut her hair and it's gonna look absolutely perfect and like layered and styled like that is gonna look like shit she can't see the back of her head it's gonna be all uneven this always really bothers me when it happens in movies 
Yeah. Her hair looks fantastic. She did not cut this herself. They shouldn't have included this. You know, the kind of trope is when you're growing into someone new and she hasn't done enough to make up for the situation. Put the scissors down, Kimberly. So we see detention happen. And when Jason goes to leave, Billy runs up to him and is like, hey, I really want to be your friend. Like, thanks for sticking up for me. Can we hang out? And Jason explains like, you know, dude, like, I can't. I have a date with the Angel Grove Police Department every night. I can't stay out past seven. And Billy says, well, you know, I can reprogram your anklet for you. And Jason's kind of like, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's an anklet. Yeah. You know, keep it cute. Um, and Jason's kind of like, no, like, we're not going to do that. And Jason heads home. But then at 6.22 p.m., so again, he needs to be in his home by 7. At 6.22, he suddenly has a change of heart and decides he is going to super quick cycle over to Billy's house and get Billy to help him get the anklet reprogrammed. Like, what is time management with this kid? What is Jason thinking here? 6.22, he's like, now I'm going to get that guy to help me? Why didn't he just do it right after detention? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Plus, even if he's away from his home and they're able to deactivate the anklet, um, his parents are still aware that he's not home. Yeah, and his dad seems like a hard ass. Yeah, Roy is not allowing this. Just brutal. But so Billy is able to do it because, as we discussed, Billy is the best. And to pay him back, Jason agrees to help him with something. And in exchange, he's also going to get to borrow Billy's van for a couple of hours. So they go together and they drive over to this mine site. So this is all very mysterious and a mine like, ooh, this feels dangerous. What did you think when they headed over to a mine? Well, we see that Billy in his house has one of those, like, crazy conspiracy moments where there's, like, the red string all over his room. And he's, like, <laughs> pinpointed the location of something important. And he must go there. But because he doesn't have a license, he needs to rope Jason into this so he can get a lift. So you kind of knew something big was going to happen there and because it's a power rangers movie and they had already explained the coin situation i feel like it was a safe guess that this is where they would be but it seems a little far-fetched of how they found it yeah i mean billy wasn't necessarily like looking for these coins specifically he just was like going to a spot that his dad used to go to Mm -hmm. while we're at the mine site we see a whole bunch of different cutscenes with different things going on. So one thing that we see is that we see a guy named Zach, and he's basically hanging out um, on top of, I don't know what this is, like a house. It's kind of odd. But he is watching another girl who is standing up on some of the rocks, and she's doing yoga. And then we have another scene where Kimberly does like a very dramatic cliff dive into some water and Jason sees her doing that and runs over to go say hi. And while this is happening, Billy essentially accidentally sets off an explosion. Or I guess it's not accidental. He purposefully sets off an explosion. 
Yeah, there are a lot of children in the woods that is apparently (laughs) too far for Billy and Jason to walk to, so they had to take the car, but all the other kids that they go to school with have very easily walked to this woods and are just like getting naked, jumping in the water, doing yoga, climbing on houses. Yeah, I just, I would never just jump into some mine site water. Like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Like, you don't know what's in there. You don't know if there's chemicals. It just, uh, this, this mine site looks awfully clean, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And it's very late at night. Yeah, like, aren't their parents, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, none of these kids have any friends, from what we can tell. Other than when they become friends with each other. So you'd think that their parents would be like, where are you going by yourself at night? Yeah. There's some questionable moments, but the mine explodes, and when it explodes, Trini, one of the girls who, uh, she's the one doing yoga, like, the whole mine just completely collapses, and rocks are flying, and she was standing on top of it, and then everyone lands perfectly fine, And it's like, oh, no big deal. (laughs) Everyone's okay. Yeah, and so this explosion unveils this, like, humongous crystal wall, essentially. And Zach starts just, like, yanking pieces off the wall. (laughs) Which is probably the correct move. So these are obviously (laughs) the power coins. Uh, We have the colors red, blue, black, yellow, and pink. They each pick one up conveniently and they keep it. Then they hear alarms going off. And so they all start running different directions. Jason and Billy take their van and somehow while they're driving away from the cops or from security, they're able to pull the girls and Zach into the van. So they're going slow enough that they can run up to it. But somehow security is not able to catch up to them. (laughs) Yeah, this is some uh, very lackluster security at this mine, because all of these kids kind of talk about how they come here, like, to clear their mind and stuff. So they clearly come here all the time. Security's never caught them before, and it took a literal explosion for security to, like, crack down on, like, hey, maybe this is a little dangerous for some children to be coming. So then when they're driving away, the they get into a really bad accident. The van crashes, and you would assume that based on the state of the van, there would be some serious damage to these kids. But we flash to them waking up safe in their beds, perfectly fine. Yes, and during that whole chase scene, we also get another cut scene. And we see a ship that's pulling up into the harbor at Angel Grove, I assume. They're grabbing a bunch of of fishies out of the water, and when they open up the net, There is a gross, withered-up, old alien-looking body. And, of course, we can assume that this is going to be our pal Rita. So, they kind of just shove Rita into a bag and, like, put her with the fish in the bottom of the ship. And we see her green power crystal start start glowing, not growing. Yeah, they take this very casually. We learn shortly that they call the cops, but... They are not spooked an appropriate amount for the situation. Yeah, the body is very clearly an alien. Like, it does not look like a human body at all. It it very clearly is 
some sort of humanoid. They aren't like, oh, like, you know, we should call a museum or anything either. They're just like, oh, yeah, we will call one police officer. Yeah, they should have been freaking out, running around, calling everyone they know. Because if it if they aren't able to point and say this is an alien because it came from the sea, they should be like, we discovered a weird new fish. Yeah, none of them even take photos. Like, this is 2017. You'd think that they would have snapped a pic. Yeah, you know those apps that can identify different species of, like, plants or animals? Oh, yeah. They would probably have a fish one. <laughs> yeah, just, it's absolutely crazy. They're so chill about this. Mm-hmm. So all of our all of our friends who were in the car accident, they're, they've woken up at home. They're completely safe. They're, like, a little bruised up. But they all discover that they essentially have, like, super strength. So uh, yeah. Kimberly, like, crushes her phone by accident. Um, I believe Billy pulls off a door from one of his cabinets. They're all just, like, suddenly very jacked. Yeah, they're all super strong. They all still have their power coins on them. And at school, the bully who Jason had slapped in one of the first scenes walks up to Billy and starts harassing him. And he says, I'm going to break your wrist. And he just walks up to him in the hall, grabs his wrist and starts to try to bend it to snap it in half, which is so alarming. And Billy, who now has super strength, is able to push him away and headbutts him. And then all of a sudden, everyone in the hall is cheering for him and he's seen as very popular. But this is a crazy person move to walk up to someone in the halls at school being like, I'm going to break your wrist right now. Yeah, this guy is clearly a psychopath. Like, he Mm -hmm. probably is also a dog murderer. Um, He is a crazy person. Yeah, he's psycho. And he has a bad haircut, too. Yeah, he does. Him and, like, the cow guy. (laughs) The cow jerk-off guy. Like, this wasn't that long ago. It's not like this was, like, 2006. Like, there's no excuse for some of the haircuts in this film. No. Uh, We say that during quarantine when no one has had access to haircuts (laughs) in, like, a year. (laughs) Yeah, and well, have you heard that side parts are out and you have to have a middle part now, apparently? I will admit, I used to side part my hair all the time, and now I have kind of migrated my way over to a middle part yeah i'm slowly migrating i'm i'm getting there but i think i'm still a little bit off center yeah so whether i meant to be trendy or not somehow pop culture has seeped its way into my hair (laughs) wow you're just ahead of the curve what can i say trendy (laughs) because this isn't a visual podcast i can just tell people i have very trendy hair (laughs) i'm like think of the most popular ahead of its time everybody wants that (laughs) hair just picture that on my head you're like think of the hottest person you know that's exactly what i look like i swear it's me (laughs) (laughs) don't look online (laughs) (laughs) so after this encounter with the bully billy kim and jason they all meet up to discuss what's happening, and they grab their power stones and slap them down in the cafeteria counter, which I don't know why they pulled them out like that. It was very weird, and I'm like, 
I feel like in high school, people were very nosy all the time. And I, there would have had been like 15 people coming over to see what the hell you were doing if you pulled out those stones in the middle of the calf. But they slapped him down on the counter and the stones start like shaking and they start heating up all of the stuff on the counter. So we see everything like near the stones kind of start like melting and like getting super hot and like exploding. So this was the second time the coins uncharacteristically do something random that we never see again. So first yeah. they tell they teleported our cast of ragtag friends home and healed them, which does yeah. not happen again. And then if they're just in the vicinity of other things, it heats them up and shakes them. Yeah. I mean, this would be kind of convenient, I guess, if you had like a cold coffee on your desk. But otherwise, it, it does seem very random. Yeah, I'm not sure the point of showing this or doing this. I don't know. I think the fact that they were healed and teleported has given them enough of a hint that these power coins are worth holding on to. Yeah, I d- and I don't think they were throwing out the coins anyways. <laughs> they look very fancy. Yeah. So they decide they're going to go back to the mine um, all of them together. And then we get another flash back on the boat with that dead body. And a cop has shown up to check out what's going on. He walks down into, I don't know what you call, the basement of a boat. So I'm going to call it the basement. And he's kind of just like bopping around. There's a bunch of fish on the ground. One of the fish scares him. And he like sees the body. And then of course the body wakes up and the scene ends. But... If I was this police officer, I would have been very spooked. As a viewer, not spooky. In real life, very spooky. I just think you would have had a, a backup person. But, you know, say lovey. Angel Grove is a small town, so maybe that's why. Yeah, I feel like you should always have a backup cop. Like, there's no situation where someone's calling the cops that I would want to be there by myself. Like, if you have called the cops, there's enough of a problem that you need a second person there either to vouch for what happened or to back you up. It also seems like if there's a dead body, don't you need, like, the crime scene investigator people to come? I I think they would, they would probably need a lot more. I don't know if he was supposed to just pick up the body and bring it home, which I feel is more of an ambulance job. I'm not really sure. Yeah, they didn't even have, like, an, a fire truck or an ambulance. It's all very weird. Clearly, they were there were some plot holes with Power Rangers. Yeah. So, we go back to the kids, and they end up running back to the forest where they find Zach, who's trying to break through the wall himself. And then they all see Trini appear, but she climbs this wall as if she were, like, a mountain goat. Or (laughs) some sort of like scurrying animal with the superhuman ability. And so they all decide to chase her. They're chasing her down and then they get to this big gap between the cliffs. And she looks at them. She turns. She runs and jumps really, really far. And then they all kind of look at each other. And the rest of them, one by one, start jumping over as well. Um, Kimberly and Jason jump over together and Billy is the last one, but he falls just a little bit short. He pulls himself up, but then falls back. And for whatever reason, they all decide to jump off of the cliff after him. So 
at the bottom of the cliff, there's like this body of water. Most of the kids jump in willingly, but Kimberly (laughs) needs to trick Trini into falling and she grabs her and she throws her over the cliff as well. They land in like a grotto almost, which like, you know, in any other situation would be pretty cool. But in this movie, I just found that this scene, like I was asking myself, like, who is this movie for? Because we get all of these weird, like, artsy shots of them swimming. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, is this, like, a Charlie Kaufman movie? Like, am I watching Rocket Man? Like, what's happening? So they keep swimming downwards for whatever reason. And it's like they push through the bottom of the water into an underground cave. So suddenly, they realize that they have come across a ship with advanced technologies in it, and they are greeted by a small robot named Alpha 5, who is voiced by Bill Hader, who has apparently been waiting for them for 65 million years. And he brings this gang to Zordon, who is not alive, but he is currently living in the morphing grid, which looks like a giant wall with like these little cubes that can come out different lengths that make up his face, if that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me. I did watch the film, so maybe that's why. But yeah, this is uh, this is weird. So Alpha 5 is so excited that he has the five kids, and Zordon is absolutely unimpressed. He's like... What do you mean? These are these are the new Power Rangers? Like no, they these are, are babies. They're small. They're babies. So basically, Zordon explains to them that they're now the Power Rangers. They're gonna need to protect the Zero Crystal thing, which is essentially going to be the thing that powers all life on Earth. And if it's destroyed, then all life on Earth will be destroyed with it. And they're all like, yo, this giant face is insane so zordon shows them zordon (laughs) i might call him zordon the rest of this time because i truly zordon does not roll off the tongue as nicely if we're renaming things can we rename a lot of the things (laughs) (laughs) true so zordon shows them the future where essentially rita grabs them all and like freaks them out and is like shaking them and you know it's elizabeth banks so she does a great job acting this out Mm -hmm. and the other rangers they are not stoked and they're like yeah we don't care um i don't care that you just showed me this weird future i don't care that you're saying i need to make sure that the whole planet doesn't get destroyed and they all leave but jason stays behind And Zordon explains to Jason that he's the Red Ranger, the Red Ranger's the leader, so he's going to need to get this ragtag crew together, and he's going to need to, like, inspire them to actually be friends and defend the Zeo Crystal. Yeah, offhand, it's outrageous that they were like, yeah, no, and leave. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you guys literally almost died, woke up, and you have super strength now, but they just don't care and don't want to believe that this is a real thing. Yeah, they're like, there is a robot with advanced technologies and a face man who is also a wall showing me the future, and I'm just going to nope on out of here. And I mean, as discussed, like, we're big Brian Cranston fans. I feel like we would do anything Brian Cranston told us to do. Absolutely. Especially if he's a giant face in a wall. Yeah. 
for sure. There's like an extra layer of I should probably do what this thing says. Yeah, like if you're seeing things that you can't believe, you should probably listen. Yeah. So as Jason leaves the cave, he realizes the other rangers are still there. They're just like waiting outside. So he's like, okay, let's meet up tomorrow at 4 p.m. And we'll kind of talk this through and figure out what the hell's going on. Before that meetup, we see that Rita has killed someone on Mr. Scott's boat. Which we presume will have been the police officer. Yes. Another reason you should bring a backup. Like, did how long did it take for someone to check on this cop? When <laughs> yeah, they arrived, there? did they assume he was the dead body that they found and it was an easy cover-up? It's also, like, kind of random that it's um, Sam's boat. Like, it's never really mentioned again that this happened on Sam's boat. It's just, like, a throwaway that it did. Yeah. So that's just kind of blown off, and the rangers meet up again the following day, where they learn that there are going to be three rules to being a Power Ranger, which, offhand, I do not remember any rules in the original Power Rangers, do you? I don't remember any rules either. I felt like they just had a good moral compass. Maybe he could sense that <laughs> these kids did not. He's like, I know you're <laughs> sending dirty photos of your friends around. You're going to need some rules. <laughs> yes. So the rules they get are don't use your powers for personal gain, which like, I feel like I would be out immediately. I'd be like, but what? I can't use my powers. <laughs> is saving the world not personal gain if you are a human? It kind of is. I think that there's some ways that you could logic around this if you really wanted to. I feel like I could logic our way into having to do zero work. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Well, this is personal gain. Rule number two is don't escalate a fight. Which, fair enough. I, I think I could handle that one. How about you? Again, it's like all semantics. So like... You can't use it for personal gain, but he, but Billy had headbutted the bully. Is that, like, is every fight, is that not personal gain? I don't know. These rules seem to have no consequences if you just don't do them. Yeah, it's true. Zordon doesn't really say what would happen if they break the rules. And, like, yeah, Billy did don't, headbutt don't the bully. Don't you do it. <laughs> he did headbutt the bully pretty hard, which seemed to be, like, a little bit of an escalation. Yeah, and because... Since the bully could not break his wrist, he could have just kind of pushed him away or just, like, walked away. He was like, no, I'm going to headbutt you in the face. And the third rule is you can't reveal your identity. That one sucks. That one's the worst. You definitely want to, like, reveal it to at least one or two people and be like, yo, by the way, I'm very cool. Case you were wondering. And so during this time, we also learn that they're going to need to figure out how to morph, which will bring them all of their body armor. But unfortunately, they all have some sort of, like, performance anxiety, and none of them can do it. So Zordon's like, okay, too bad. (laughs) You're going to have to train with no armor then. Yeah, so Zordon has them stand on these platforms, which are supposed to easily connect them to a a morphing grid that will give them armor. So they all stand on these little pedestals, and nothing happens, so he's like, okay, you're going to go train naked instead. And not actually (laughs) naked, but just with no armor. And 
And alpha five is like, oh, that's going to really hurt. Are you sure? And at that point, you've lost me. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> We're going to stay here until we get this armor. Like no robot who I'm assuming cannot feel pain is going to start <laughs> telling me I'm about to be in a ton of pain. And I'm just like, all right, let's go. Yeah, and especially when you're going to a place called The Pit, like, that does not sound pleasant whatsoever. Like, I want to be going to zero pits. I want nothing to do with any pits, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm trying to think of good things that have the word pit in it. Maybe, like, a ball pit. Those are kind of fun. Yeah. But they're kind of gross, so I don't know. Pita pit? I do like pita if, pit. If we're, if we're including product placements. <laughs> Might as well start here. That is that get, is a good kind of pit. Get a nice uh, power-up snack in between your little sparring bouts. <laughs> yeah, so they get sent down to the not pita pit. And we see that they're going to be training with these simulated enemies that Rita will be creating. And the enemies are called putties. <laughs> which... I don't think that you're as big of a Seinfeld fan as I am, but Putty is the name of one of Elaine's boyfriends, and, like, I could not unhear it every time they said the word Putty. That's all I could think about. So we see them getting their butts kicked uh, during this training montage, and then we also learn a little bit of information, which is that they need to protect the Zeo crystal, but no one actually knows where the crystal is, because the information and the map to find the crystal was lost during that battle that we saw at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, so we have a bit of a mystery on our hands, which of course, we'll see later, Billy is the one to solve this mystery. But for now, they are currently trying to teach each other how to fight against these putties, which are, it looks like rocks that have kind of form together to make these little ghouls that they fight. So they're fighting physical rock that's like kicking their ass, which they're just getting beat up. And it's this whole training montage and they come back and they keep training with the putties multiple times. And it's like, wouldn't your parents be super concerned that you're like beaten (laughs) by rocks every night? And also none of them have any fighting skills really. And they're, like, trying to teach each other. And considering we found out that the timeline for Rita to attack is 11 days, they really need a proper teacher or to figure out the morph suit thing. But as much as they try, uh, they they haven't been able to morph yet. Yes, and... We finally get some progress on the morphing when Alpha 5 decides to show them their Zords, which this is my biggest gripe with the movie. So these Zords, they're giant robot dinosaurs that the different Power Rangers are able to control when they're morphed. And they are so freaking cool and we hardly get to see what they even are because they're only shown right at the end during the battle. It makes me so annoyed. I need more Zords. That is my diatribe on Zords. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating that we don't get to fully see what each Zord is capable of. They don't even really show them. Like, they kind of scan over them. 
but you want them to pay a little bit of extra time on each Zord going over the abilities and who's it paired with and taking a step back to show how cool these are. So Alpha 5 shows all of them the Zords. And then he says, okay, well, when you figure out how to morph, we'll come back to this. And they all start walking the other way. But Zack doesn't listen and decides he wants to take his Zord out for a joyride. So apparently he isn't able to control it very well. And he ends up using it to kind of trash around the cave, nearly running into town before crashing it back into the cave. And he almost hurts everyone. So Jason gets really angry with Zach and they start fighting. Now Billy intervenes and he starts trying to push them apart and realizes that he has morphed, but it's only temporary and he isn't able to do it again. He keeps trying. Now, based on what we learn later, which is in order for them to morph, they need to get to know each other better and trust each other. It doesn't seem to make sense that when they're fighting and divided that Billy would be able to morph because it's not like he knew them any better. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I wonder if it's just because like Billy was willing to like sacrifice himself kind of thing. Like he got in between that fight. But I have another big issue with this whole thing. So Zordon like starts yelling at them all and he's yelling at Billy specifically. And we learned earlier that Billy is a person who has autism. And I just don't think that that's the best way to communicate with someone that we know has autism. You know what I mean? Like, Zordon's, like, literally yelling at him and being like, you're useless. Yeah, Zordon is very mean, chill-out wall man. Like, all like he, he can do is yell. he told you he doesn't know what he did. <laughs> yeah, all he can do is yell because he is a face in a wall. The other thing that doesn't quite make sense is if you can morph... Why did you make them stand on these random platforms so many times? Yeah. yeah we, like, they we, never once... Yeah, I don't know. We never see them use the platform to morph, I don't think. I don't think so. I don't remember that. And then also, when it, whenever they eventually do use the Zords, it, like, plugs into their suits to be able to control it. So I have no idea how Zack, A, entered the Zord, or B, made it move in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, again, just, we needed more Zord time, we needed more explanation, the morphing doesn't really make sense, Zordon's kind of just a dick for no reason. It's very frustrating to see Brian Cranston not be my favorite character, so I'm also just beating myself up about this a little bit, because (laughs) I just want him to be way more in the movie, so it's just frustrating that he's kind of an angry wall man. Now, as they leave uh, for the day, Jason goes back to the ship and here he kind of eavesdrops on a conversation that Zordon and Alpha 5 are having. And they touch on the fact that Zordon can't be physically revived without the morphing grid working. So he's been trying to get these kids to morph and turn on the morphing grid so that he can bring himself back to life. Now, I don't think that this is a negative thing if he wants to help them. Um, 
and obviously he's an experienced ranger who might be able to assist them fighting uh, Rita, but Jason seems to take this as a negative and feels like they're just being manipulated into helping him live and they're not actually Power Rangers or able to help. Yeah, this is kind of like a classic, like, mid-second act. We need to make this movie longer, which they certainly did not need to make this movie longer, and I think we could have kind of gotten rid of a lot of the subplot, but it's all very silly, and Jason gets super mad. But we get a very fun scene change after this, so I will forgive it. So we get this awesome scene, and it's awesome because obviously Rita... Elizabeth Banks is the best. And we see her. She shows up at a jewelry store. There's a happy couple who are shopping for some kind of jewelry. Rita walks in and she <laughs> grabs some of the gold jewelry and, like, eats it? <laughs> Question mark? I don't really know. It's amazing. She commits to it. We love to see it. And she grabs a bunch of gold stuff and forms this giant gold staff, which, like, holy moly, if I were a villain, I also would want a gold staff. This looks so cool. Yeah, so her staff has, like, these gold teeth that she's beaten up people for. Like, it's just made of all these random gold objects. Now, now that she's at the jewelry store... She has far more access to gold. So she starts taking it, and I guess she's able to kind of liquefy it in her fingers because aside from eating the gold, she pours it over her staff, which kind of merges all the different gold pieces together to make a pretty dope-looking staff. Yeah, Rita's just very cool. We also learned that she was trying to build a giant monster called Goldar, which... Just wow. She basically is a gold member. (laughs) Yeah, this is the most random villain. Uh, For whatever reason, gold helps her, question mark. Like, I don't understand what this has to do with the Green Ranger in any way, shape, or form. No, it makes no sense. I'm kind of obsessed with it. Um, I a little bit do wish that they had just, like, pulled Mike Myers and been, like, just, like, be gold member, but also a Power Ranger. That would have been unreal. What a crossover for the ages. Yeah, that'd be sweet. So while they're at the jewelry store, the sales associate calls the police because she's grabbing gold and eating it and just being real (laughs) weird. (laughs) Yeah. She's also... Oh, (laughs) wait, we forgot a really important part. Which is that Rita is also soaking wet and not wearing any shoes. I yeah, feel like there's this is a lot very going important on. Detail. And she's also an alien. So she looks yeah. insane in this jewelry store, soaking wet, wearing weird clothes, being an alien, eating gold, and the sales <laughs> associate is acting very calm. She's like asking her what she's interested in buying today. And it's like, woman, run. Like, what do you, why are you speaking to her? So she presses a button and then very casually lets Rita continuing, lets Rita eat gold more, I guess. <laughs> and a police officer shows up. And at this point, the police officer has only had a little button flash, I'm assuming, to indicate that they should go to the jewelry store. And so from his perspective, he sees 
the back of a woman's head, which as Rita's been eating the gold, she's kind of become more and more human. It's like it's regenerating her. So she's looking a little bit more normal at this point. And this police officer, to be honest, starts firing his gun at her before knowing any information. Like, he yeah, really he should a, have learned more. And he has a shotgun, too. <laughs> it's not even like yeah. he's shooting her with a pistol. It's like he's full-on shooting her with a shotgun. And there's people still in the store. Yeah, this cop is insane. The sequence of events makes no sense. He, like, shows up and is like, turn around and starts shooting at her. And it's like, okay, yes, we understand from our perspective she's an e- evil alien trying to destroy Earth. But you don't know that. You you should not have shot at her. That's outrageous. Yeah, and of course Rita is a bad bitch, and she just blows everything up at the jewelry store and walks on out. Unbothered queen. Yes, she creates a putty, and she has it kill the officer. And at this point, I'm like, wow, why wasn't the whole movie just like this? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be wrong. This was an excellent scene, aside from... Like, I feel like the actress who played the the cashier or, like, the sales representative, I don't, I feel like she did a real weird job acting in this role. (laughs) I don't know. It just felt so wrong, like, how she was interacting with Rita and just smiling and, like, continuing to try to sell her things. It's, like, it's so obvious you, (laughs) like, this wouldn't happen. This is ridiculous. It's a real weird uh, director... Uh, I'm assuming, I don't know. I don't know what anyone was thinking when writing this script. It's insane. (laughs) Yeah, it was a choice. Choices were made here. We cut to all the Power Rangers sitting outside around a campfire, trying to get to know each other a little bit better because they can't figure out why they can't morph. And they're starting to think it might be because they don't know each other well enough. They don't trust each other. So they start sharing stories. Yes. Zach's mom is sick. Uh, Billy loves country music and also blew up his lunchbox. Trini doesn't want people to know her and struggles with herself, which I was like trying to decide if that was like her sexuality or just like herself in general. Um, Either way. Good on you, Trini, for sharing with your pals. And Billy is like, everyone already knows me. It's very dramatic. Yeah. Now, Kimberly skips her turn, which is not the most helpful with their plan to get to know each other better. Um, But they're having a hard time really breaking through because even after this talk, nothing really changes. Now, after this campfire, because we've been continuously jumping back and forth between the rangers training and Rita doing weird shit and, oh, they're going to become best friends at a campfire. Nope, we're back to Rita nomming on some gold. And, oh, now we're going to finally have these two storylines overlap a little bit because Rita attacks uh, Trini in her bedroom. And she gets all creepy and up in her face And she taunts her with the fact that she killed uh, the previous Yellow Ranger. And now they start fighting. But as we know, uh, Trini has no training, has not been able to use the morph suit. And so Rita 
overpowers her pretty easily. So she asks Trini where the crystal is and figures out pretty quickly that Trini doesn't know and she actually believes her. So she tells Trini, you know, you need to go figure out where it is and come back and give me this information if you want to live. And she demands that she listens to her orders and that she's like, and this obedient little ranger and she just leaves. Yes, and then we get a scene of Kimberly who is snuck into Jason's room and basically this is just a whole setup for Kimberly to reveal what happened with that explicit photo and the fact that she's the reason that it got sent around the school and she feels like she's the reason that they're not able to morph because she doesn't want to open up about this and because she feels like she's just a bad person, which... As discussed, uh, yeah, she kind of is, but Jason basically says to her, like, you did a really bad thing, but you're not a bad person. Like, you need to forgive yourself for this whole thing. Which, disagree, Jason. Do, like, (laughs) she's essentially saying, like, oh, tell me that this is fine. And Jason's like, this act doesn't define you as a person. Like, you are wonderful and much better than this. And it's like, okay, one Jason, you've known her for, what, nine days now? (laughs) Two, Kimberly, you literally scarred another girl for life. You do not get to be like, oh, this doesn't define me, whatever. Okay, I'm fine now. It's like, what? I hate this storyline so much. I don't understand why they just ruined the Pink Ranger. It's so upsetting. Yeah, we don't even ever see Kimberly, like, try and apologize to Amanda or anything. Yeah, if anything, when she sees her two friends, because somehow during the battle later, she sees them, and you see her, like, smirking at them and throwing things at her at their car. Like, she's still being terrible. It's like, you should be groveling and apologizing and trying to trying to be better about it, but... When Kimberly's explaining this to Jason, she's adding in all these details to the story that we didn't know before, such as the guilt that she had to feel when uh, Amanda's dad got brought into the office and shown the photo of his daughter, and she had to watch Amanda's dad see the naked photos of his own daughter, and so she's so guilty about that. And it's like, this isn't about you. You are a crazy (laughs) person. And... What school in the world would bring all of you into an office and show the father naked photos of his daughter? Like, that seems insane. Yeah, I don't think this is how they would deal with that. Uh, the, The whole thing is just icky. I don't know what the writers were thinking. They did a terrible job. This is Amanda probably should have been the pink ranger, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Kimberly seems to just be a really terrible person who is not that remorseful and is like asking this random guy she just met to tell her she's a good person because she's not gonna go and apologize more to her friend who actually deserves it it's real whack not good so we then see that trini has texted everyone to meet up um because she needs to tell them something so everyone shows up all together, and Trini tells them that Rita showed up at her house, basically was like, you need to tell me where the Zeo crystal is, and they decide all together that they're going to make an attempt to try and kill Rita, just 
the five of them, even though they are wholly unprepared and still cannot morph. Yeah, so we didn't touch on this earlier, but Billy did in fact discover where the Zeo crystal is. How he did this, I'm not I'm not overly sure. Do you know how he figured this out? He did have a lot of those like um true detective style pieces of string taped up to a wall. So I think it's just implied that somehow he was able to use that to figure out exactly where where this crystal is. I don't know if he like went to the library and found a zero crystal book. It's all kind of glossed over. Yeah, in the scene, he's like holding himself up. He's like looking at the ceiling, holding himself up si- sideways with his legs on like a pipe or something random. And he's like attaching all these strings with like push pins on the ceiling. And then you see him walking down a random street. He sees a Krispy Kreme donuts and is like, ah, yes, that's where it is. And then just leaves. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah. So we learn it's at a Krispy Kreme through that scene, which we're going to have to discuss. But uh, do we think that this was a product placement situation? Because I certainly do think it was. Oh, no, it was. It was. They had a partnership with Krispy Kreme. And <laughs> I want to know how much money. I wasn't able to find the exact dollar amount, but they 100% sponsored this movie. They had a whole campaign where, where they did Power Rangers donuts for a while. And it must have been a lot of money because from this point forward, the amount of talk about Krispy Kreme donuts and like showing scenes of people eating donuts <laughs> And even during the final battle, the fact that Krispy Kreme Donuts is involved is just so outrageous. <laughs> to be fair, like, I do kind of love Krispy Kreme. And I did I did have a Jones in for some Krispy Kreme Donuts while I was watching this. Whoa. I haven't <laughs> had a Krispy Kreme Donut for probably 15 years. Oh my god. Well... Maybe I'll have to DoorDash some to you to this weekend. Is there one even near us? Like I, I have no idea. Feel like I feel like when I was little, I had them a few times, and then I think I thought that they weren't in Canada anymore. And then I randomly saw one once and was like, "Oh, I guess they're still in Canada," and then didn't think about it again. But my brother used to devour them. Yeah, there's at least two in Toronto because I can picture exactly where they are. I saw a gourmet makes if anybody needs some good YouTube content of them making the Krispy Kreme donut. And that was really fun to watch as well. So I think it's funny to have things as a product placement, but probably just do it in a more subtle way because this was so blatant. It was, it was comical, which is nice. And I like that it's funny, but during like some of the serious scenes, it just like really (laughs) takes you out of it. Yeah, they're like, we got to go to Krispy Kreme now. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. I will say it's very funny that we decided to cover this this week because on our other podcast, Nathan for Us, where we talk about the TV show Nathan for You, um, we had a situation where someone on that show goes on a date and it's sponsored by a certain sub sandwich company, which we will not name. <laughs> it One. You got to pay us, which maybe we should have bleeped out the Krispy Kremes in this episode, but it's <laughs> fine. Big Krispies got us in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah, I'll, but, I'll promote Krispy Kreme. I do love their donuts. 
I'm just not the biggest donut person. That's fair. I feel like all the donuts that I like are not like a traditional donut. Like I like the chocolate Timbit. I like the French cruller and I like the sour cream donut, which I think is more of a cakey one. The sour cream donut is fire. I feel like that's the best one. Yeah. Those are the ones that I like. I really don't like the ones that are just very doughy and just are like dipped in chocolate or something. Like I don't want to just yeah. eat a bunch of, I don't love sweet dough just in general. Yeah, I'm not really a pastry person unless it's savory pastry. And then, Ooh, hot damn. This is getting very off topic, but I just want to mention it to you because I feel like you'll get a kick out of it. But I had, um, I think two weeks ago, we ordered pizza from a place here in Toronto called Mel's Pizza. If you're a local, mm-hmm. 100% you need to order from there because it is very good. But we got pizza and we got what they described as a Timbit Double Double Tiramisu. Whoa. So it was like the plain cakey Timbits instead of um, the lady fingers. And instead of dipping those in the boozy coffee, those were dipped in Tim Hortons double doubles. <laughs> that and sounds then, like, so good. It was so good. And it actually wasn't that sweet. So highly recommend. Wait, wait, where was that again? You'll you'll Mel's text it pizza. to me afterwards. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. You'll message me. Well, t- We'll we'll chat. I'll send you yeah, I'll well. send you all the deets. Oh good. <laughs> so where were we in the film? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we oh, got there, but it's actually okay. literally the most dramatic scene in the whole movie. <laughs> oh yes. So Rita has lured them all to the shipyard. Um, she kind of told Trini like a little bit of a riddle, I guess, which was not very much of a riddle because it basically just said like where the boats are. So they show up there, all of them together, and when they walk in, it becomes very clear that this is a trap. Rita pops out, and as discussed, they are not full Power Rangers yet. They can't even morph, and Rita is super powerful. She's been eating gold for, like, hours. She's full of gold. She's ready to fight. She kicks their asses and ties them to the side of a boat over the water. Yeah, at this point, it would have been in Rita's best interest to probably just kill them all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She just spends the rest of her life nom in gold, hanging out with her gold-on friend. Yeah, unfortunately, um, they had planned, like, five sequels, so that wouldn't have worked super well for the script. I can't believe they planned five. That's so embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) So Rita starts uh, threatening them and is like, you guys need to tell me where the Zeo crystal is. And they're all like, we have no idea. And she susses out pretty quickly that Billy is the one who knows where it is. She's like, Billy, tell me where the crystal is. And Billy tells her it's at a very special place. It's at Krispy Kreme. Yeah, I feel like that's not the kind of information you give to an alien that's never been here before. In addition, there are many Krispy Kreme locations, so maybe Billy was trying to be sneaky and be like, it's at a Krispy Kreme somewhere. I didn't lie to you. (laughs) Because is there only one where they're living? I think it's supposed to be like kind of a small town, so yeah, I would assume it's got to be just the one Krispy Kreme here. I feel like an alien would want like coordinates. You know, like, this information is not enough. Yeah, and she's like, what's Chris? Like, she doesn't know what Krispy Kreme is. 
Mm-hmm. But I guess she has, maybe she has a phone or something. I don't know. Because she's like, well, I'm going to have to kill one of you to prove that I'm still a bad bitch. So she basically drowns Billy. Yeah, this is horrible. Uh, My least favorite moment of the movie, because Billy is my favorite character. And this was very sad to see that she kills Billy. Uh, She leaves. And... She, like, kind of slashes all the kids before she goes. So they're able to get out of their little ties. They jump down, they grab Billy, and then they walk him back to the ship with Alpha 5 and Zordon. Yeah, and they put him down, and he's very clearly dead. Zordon's like, listen, there's nothing that I can do for him. Like, he's gone. And they all have this really emotional moment where they're like, we would trade all of our lives for each other like billy was the only one who had to do that but we would all like die for each other it's like very dramatic and then the music, all of a sudden also when they sorry the music when they walked billy also very dramatic oh my god i have a lot of thoughts on the music later in the film um very negative so oh. i'm glad that that one part worked <laughs> but so suddenly the morphin grid opens up yeah. Magically, the morphing grid opens, and we are all expecting Zordon to bring himself back, but instead he sacrifices himself and he uses this surge of energy to bring Billy back to life because apparently they can only bring one back, which I will accept because I would like <laughs> Billy to come back, but I don't yes. think he was a part of the morphing grid. Like, it's not like his spirit was sent there in order to be sent back. Yeah, we'll it doesn't really... We'll let it slide. <laughs> it does not make a lot of sense how this happens, but somehow Billy just, like, wakes up and is fine, and it's morphin. It's, it's morphin time. time. Now, this is the moment that they should have really focus on the suits and what they can do and take in a few minutes to explain, like have that gadget explanation moment because they just run off immediately into battle. And then you just don't really understand what the suits are capable of having never used them before. Jason randomly pulls out a sword at one point and you're like, do these suits have swords? How do they know how to use them? They should have been able to use these suits like a week ago. So we could have actually seen what they're made of. Like the suits are, they make the Power Rangers. Like their look is so iconic and important and being able to communicate in a clear way what they are capable of sets up the battle and our expectations for ways they can combat this giant gold monster and alien that have been around for 65 million years who have infinite more experience than you, who just killed one of you. And who, like, didn't think of you enough as a competitor to bother killing you. Like, she left most of them alive. So to be able to explain that and set us up for the final battle thinking that they should have a chance is so important. And they just completely drop the ball. Because not only do they not explain the suits and their powers at all, but they go back to the Zords. Is that what they're called? Yes. (laughs) The Zords. And they also don't explain how those work at all. 
they jump no. in and are supposed to now be able to fly slash walk these, I don't know, over to the battle. It just, it's so upsetting that they couldn't take 10 minutes of this two hour movie to explain. <laughs> Yeah, Billy has already expressed that he does not have a driver's license, but he's able to wield this giant Zord with great ability and is perfectly able to, like, walk it on over and fight all of these uh, putties that are outside of the cave. It's just, like, so silly. And then this final battle has to be my least favorite in any of the like action scenes of any of the movies that we've watched so far i and i'm not even being dramatic no that's a very like that's not a hot take like that's so obvious this is this is a terrible fight and it i think we were on such a high because yeah. at first, you know, we're watching some kind of, like, we watch some silly movies. But the last few movies have genuinely been very good. So to yeah. see this, which is so iconic and nostalgic, to just be trashed is just <laughs> uh, offensive. Yeah, and sorry, Dacker Montgomery, I do love you. But, yeah, this movie sucks. Um, so they're not, they're not listening. <laughs> and as mean as we are, the internet and Reddit is where he should be uh, fighting his battles. That's true. So this is what I hate about this so much. They're in the Zords. They're, like, going over to the the town. And, like, like, the tone of this movie is so all over the place. It makes me legitimately upset. Because all of a sudden, we get the, like, go, go, Power Rangers music. And I'm like, what... What is this what is this tone switch? Like I feel like this movie has been like kind of serious, then kind of fun, but now it's like we're full on back into campy Power Rangers the original, which I don't think the rest of the movie was at all like. No, and if they had just done this the whole time, that would have been great. But instead they were like, haha, he jerked off a cow to like oh, she's sending nude photos of her best friend to thousands of people to, like, Zach's mother might die and he worries that she's going to die every single night when he goes to sleep. To, like, ha-ha, like, look at this crazy woman eating gold. It's it's insane. It's totally all over the place. If this had been, like, a, I don't know, like an instrumental version of the Power Rangers theme song, maybe I would have been cool with it. But it's just, like, so explicit and, like, so out of nowhere. It it felt bizarre. And I don't know if part of my issue is, like, I also, um, this past weekend, watched the movie Promising Young Woman. And there's one scene in that movie where they do, like, a really good needle drop. And I don't know if I should spoil what it is, but it is in the trailer. So you can check that out if you will. But there's a very cool cover of a very famous song but they do it in a way that totally matches the theme of the movie. And it's amazing. And then, like, to watch this mess, I was just like, dear God, like, what is happening? And I didn't even love Promising Young Woman. I only thought it was, like, a three out of five at best. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie, but I fully trust you as you watch a lot of movies. And I happen (laughs) to think your takes on films are pretty good. Thank you. But, yeah, this is ridiculous. And also... Something I wanted to touch on right before we got into the final battle. But 
Why why can Rita speak English? <laughs> yes, that's a great point. So yeah, she's we saw- an alien who we saw speaking another language. She was then stuck underwater for 65 million years <laughs> and we're kind of given the explanation that brian cranston can speak english because the morph grid is a translator for him she does not and have it's a this. computer yeah it's a computer she i don't understand uh how she can speak english but that's just one of the many gripes i have <laughs> it's probably the smallest because it's not that important but I feel like they could oh have just God. thrown a quick explanation for this out. Yeah, very quick explanation. Like one line could have really cleared this whole thing up. So we get into this huge fight scene and all of the Zords run into town. They're fighting all of the putties. And then we get another needle drop that I hate where they use power by uh, Kanye West, which I just think like... It's a great song, but it's just, like, again, it feels very cheesy. It's almost like we're watching a trailer for a movie and not the actual movie. So I did not love that. Um, I don't know if you noticed that that little part. No, I didn't focus on it that much, but I'm glad that you noted it. Yeah. And so we see them all fighting. Um, there's, I'm kind of going to yada yada this, to be perfectly honest. But there's a scene where Jason saves his dad really quick. And then the team all gets in a line and they start trying to kill Rita and her Goldar. Which I guess I didn't explain before, but Goldar is this giant gold, like, winged beast. And I don't really understand why she needs Goldar to get under the Krispy Kreme. But I guess for whatever reason, Goldar is necessary for her to be able to do this. Like, she seems pretty powerful without him. But, again, we will not pick apart this movie too much because not a lot of things make sense here. Mm-hmm. So we have this great battle going on. As Kelly mentioned, somehow Jason, during this battle, is able to spot his dad in a car having some trouble. So he runs over to help. Similarly, um, Kimberly sees her two friends who she's no longer friends with and kind of like scoffs at them randomly because she just needed to be more unlikable somehow. Even when she's like (laughs) mid-saving the world, she needs to be rude, which is very upsetting. And then suddenly we have all of the rangers pushing against this giant gold creature And he has made this giant hole in the earth and he's trying to push them into it. And it reminded me of the scene from Toy Story where all the toys are going down the line into that fiery pit. Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like pushing them towards it. They're like sweating buckets. Like they don't know if they can make it. He pushes them over and suddenly... All of their Zords join together to create the Megazord. And apparently this is incredibly surprising to Rita, uh, even though she was a Power Ranger. And clearly they should have known that these can form together. Yeah. It seems like something that Zordon or Alpha 5 could have mentioned at some point in time. Yeah. And the original Power Rangers were also able to do this, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, it was so cool. It was like the best it, part of the whole show. 
Yeah, it was super cool, but you could very distinctly see where each like thing was to make up the bigger thing. And it was very clear like who was where. But this mega sword, it has all these parts to attach them that didn't exist. So it's way bigger. (laughs) And like you can kind of see where like the pink jet is on the back, but the rest of it is all a mishmash of like this completely different suit that you can't distinctly see where the Zords all form together. And it's just a little frustrating that it's not as distinct as the original one. Yeah, because I feel like with like the original toys and stuff too, you could, yeah, you could like them mush them together. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it actually mm-hmm. looked like like what it should. But mm-hmm. yeah, this looks this is looking like a mess. Um, Rita also like gets absorbed into Goldar, so that happened. I don't really understand why she didn't do that before, but I guess she didn't feel like she needed to. Yeah, I don't know why she didn't let Goldar keep fighting and then just hang out in Krispy Kreme. We do get a really funny yeah. scene of her like dramatically eating a donut while uh, Goldar and the Rangers are fighting outside. Yeah, she really should have just hung out in Krispy Kreme the whole time. Like, if yeah. I were her, I wouldn't even have bothered to come out. But I guess the assumption is that by being absorbed by Goldar, she's given Goldar extra strength. I guess he's got that power crystal, so. It's also um, a little strange that they gave Goldar wings. And I think we know that the Megazord can also fly because Kimberly's Zord can fly. So you would assume that the Megazord can. I'm upset that they didn't take this battle to the sky. Yeah, it's purely on the ground. And (laughs) maybe they just... uh, Is Goldar like a chicken or something? He's just a flightless bird. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's a flightless bird. So in what could have been a very extreme battle, they do a flashback to a move that they had trained in the pit where they just dodge a little bit. They grab their opponent and flip the opponent backwards over them. I don't know if there's a name for this move in the wrestling world. It's kind of like a pile driver. You know what it looks like? <laughs> so I will tell this story for the sake of everyone and all <laughs> laugh at my misfortune. But um, Megan and I had a party at our house when we were in university. And I was like fake fighting with a friend of ours who is quite a bit shorter than me. And he decided to like try and pick me up. But he picked me up and then he slipped on a tarp we had on the floor because we were trying to collect or we were trying to protect our floor from all of the beer spillage that happens at a party. So he slipped and instead of, you know, just like putting me down, he fully fell backwards and my head went into the floor of our basement. (laughs) And that's how I got a concussion. So I can confirm this move really hurts. Yeah, so you are Goldar in this situation, and a person we know from university is the Megazord, unfortunately. And this very effective move, they kind of dodge, turn, and flip the Goldar over. And it's like, okay, so earlier in the battle, when you're throwing people around, 
I feel like that's the same level of impact. So I don't really understand how this ultimately kills uh, Goldar, but it does. And um, everyone in town is like really excited about the Rangers and they, they start cheering for them, which I think if you saw this battle, it would be very unclear who the good guys or the bad guys are, or if either of them are good or bad. It would just be very unclear who is helping the town and who is not. Yeah, and so when Goldar gets destroyed, Rita kind of, like, pops out, too. And Jason, as controlling the Megatron, slaps her into space. I am not kidding. That's what ha- That's how they defeat her. They slap her into space. I did think the first slap was very funny. And this slap is also very funny. It just seems a little misplaced with some of the other things that have happened in this film. Like, it's so comical. And it's like, if you're going to go this campy, just go, you know, go for it. Well, and that, like, was the Power Rangers. Like, I feel like the Power Rangers were Mm -hmm. really campy. So I don't know why they tried to do this, like, serious, like, weird, dark stuff with this whole thing that, like, really was mostly just fun and hilarity. And I believe even the fight scenes weren't even, like, filmed by the Power Rangers that we know. They just, like, grabbed them from the Japanese version and, like, slapped them into the American one. But yeah, she gets slapped into space and we see her freeze. Now, if she's an alien, I feel like she (laughs) would not freeze in space. Yeah, but she was so wet, remember? Mm. Yep. But at least she's full of Krispy Kreme as her last meal. That's a pretty good last meal. I also am like... Were they going to bring her back as, an, like, a villain in another sequel? I assume that was their plan, and that's why she didn't, like, actually die. But we'll get I to the sequels. Be, yeah, I'm very excited to hear what happens in the sequels. Because all I read is that there wasn't a second one. And then did no more research further. I was like, oh, nothing more happened. Um, so the town has decided that the rangers are these mysterious saviors that they should all like idolize and we see Sam who is Jason's dad hanging an article of uh this event on their fridge implying that maybe he knows it was Jason I don't know yeah I think that's the implication there for sure Mm-hmm. so then we see a short little segment of Trini repairing the walls in her bedroom from when Rita had thrown her around it And we have uh, Zordon's voice uh, narrate over. And he's just saying that he's really proud that they were able to carry on the legacy of the Power Rangers. Yeah, and we do get a post-credit scene, which I believe you missed. Yeah, I completely missed this. That's okay. I mean, I do not blame you. Um, Usually when Colin and I watch movies, he'll like leave the movie on and then like go to the bathroom and I'm too lazy to turn it off. So that's what happened here. That's why I ended up watching (laughs) through the credits and discovering this post-credit scene. But essentially, there's a little scene where they're 
it shows the school in detention and a teacher announcing that a student called Tommy Oliver will be joining them. But all you see is an empty desk, except there's a green jacket on the desk. And do you want me to talk about who Tommy Oliver is in the Power Rangers? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so Power Rangers, Tommy Oliver in the original one, he's the original Green Ranger. And so he's the one who originally was going to be evil under the control of Rita in the Power Rangers series. And then he later becomes the White Power Ranger. He's the one, if you're trying to picture it, that has the really big shoulder pads, right? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. The iconic power suit. Yes. So, yeah, he was the Green Ranger. But, yeah, I guess we can get into what happened with the sequels to find out why uh, that post credit scene probably didn't age super well. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... I think you know a lot more about the sequels than I do. Yeah, so basically, so this movie came out in 2017, um, just to do a little bit of, like, numbers. So it only made $142 million against a $105 million budget. So because of, like, all of the marketing that they did, and I'm sure they had to pay a bunch of money to <laughs> Krispy Kreme... And all this stuff, like, they did a bunch of tie-ins with, like, Build-A-Bear workshops, and they did stuff with YouTube. Like, they did a lot of marketing for this. The turnout for people seeing the movie was super, super disappointing. Um, And critically, it did not do well either. A lot of people had the same issues that we had with it, like, that it was just kind of a mess. So, essentially, in 2016, before the movie came out, the CEO of Lionsgate had said that they were going to do five or six or seven movies. Oh my goodness. Imagine being the actors. Yeah. So apparently they already had planned out a six film story arc um, at the time of the release. And then after it did so poorly, they were like, okay, actually we're not going to make the sequels. And then a little bit later than that, they were like, oh, actually, because it sold so well with merchandise we might still do them um which is kind of wild they kind of went back and forth a bunch of times and then finally it kind of was dead in the water and they were like yeah we're not doing this in 2019 docker montgomery did a subreddit or an ama thread in the stranger things subreddit and he said that apparently Um, There was going to be a new reboot again of the Power Rangers, but him and the rest of the cast would not be back, and the director would also not be coming back. Mm -hmm. So now, at this point, there is another reboot planned, um, and the person writing the script is this person called Brian Edward Hill, who I'm not familiar with. It doesn't look like he has any screenwriting credits at all, but he is um, a comic book writer. Mm -hmm. So... There you go. I feel like that would be so devastating for the actors. Like, that's such a bummer to be told that you're cast in these, like, iconic roles and that you have seven, like, or eight movies that you'll get to be a part of. And then switch to to that was the only one. That must have been so heartbreaking. And these actors have all gone on to, I think, have pretty good careers. I know that 
um, Jason and Billy have both been in a few other things. I didn't look up the other actors. I, I only know Jason and Billy because I've seen other things that they've been in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for, like, Decker Montgomery, I feel like this is actually probably, like, a best-case scenario for him. Because this came out in 2017, which is the same time that he was on Stranger Things. So I feel like he kind of blew up after that. And, like, now Mm -hmm. he's going to be in an Elvis biopic in 2022. So if he had been working on, like, seven of these movies. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And you know the Red Ranger. All of them would have lived through all the movies. Probably. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure, but yeah. Well, it's, if they uh... make another one, which I hope that they do, because I think getting the right kind of vibe for the Power Rangers could make a really fantastic movie. Like, it's such a good concept, and at least everyone in our age range and our kind of demographic, like, grew up watching it, and it was so popular. So to do it in a really fun way that's really like enticing to, I think kids and our demographic would be a really fun way to get new people involved in the Power Rangers. I believe the Mighty Morphin series is now on Netflix. So I really hope that Ooh. if you have kids, you know, show them this show, but maybe not this yeah. movie. Yeah. I don't think you need to watch this movie. Um, I think you can probably skip this one. But I'm kind of hopeful that the next one will be a little bit better just based on the fact that it is being written by someone who writes comic books. I feel like that's kind of a better vibe to go for. Like, I think they can kind of use, you know, something like like Shazam, I think, would be a really good um, kind of vibe to go for. So we'll see. I would really like to see, like, an adult Power Rangers, like an adult-focused Power Rangers, but just, like... It needs to be cohesive. Yeah, so we are very hopeful for that next movie, I think. And I'd be willing to give it a shot. Me too, for sure. But not to end on a a downer, of course. So I think we need to do a Which Power Ranger Are You quiz. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, normally going into this, based on my youth, I'd say I really want to be the pink power ranger but in this movie (laughs) billy was just such a standout i really hope i get the blue power ranger how about you yeah i don't know i'm I'm just gonna take it and see where i end up getting i have a feeling i know that i'll probably end up as like maybe zach so we'll see okay well why don't we read through these questions you have the quiz pulled up i do so question one What is your role in your friend group? The comic relief, the brainiac, the kind-hearted advisor, the natural-born leader, or the sassy princess? Well, I feel like I'm kind of any of these at different times. (laughs) But I'd probably pick the comic relief for myself. Now, you and I are in the same friend group. Yes, And offhand, I think I might also be the comic relief. I don't know. I can think of someone else. I think maybe we can. We we do have a podcast, so obviously we think we're the funny ones. It's true. I just can't put myself as the brainiac when, like, my fiancé, who is, like, a super genius, exists in our friend group. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, our partners are 
very smart <laughs> people. And so I, Connor would literally laugh me out of the room if I told him I was the <laughs> brainiac in our friend group. Kind hearted right, advisors. Is, yeah, I don't know why I'm even trying to do these other ones. We are not kind hearted advisors. We could be natural born <laughs> leaders, and we are certainly not sassy princesses. Yeah, I'd like to think I could be a kind-hearted advisor every now and then, but we don't really need that much advice anymore. It was mainly like a panic throughout university. But do you want to hit us <laughs> with uh, question number two? Yes. What is your biggest fear? Disappointing your friends and family, never amounting to anything, death, giving into the temptation to be evil, not being able to change the world, or being alone forever. These are deep. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> um, huh. oh, these are like different degrees of extreme. <laughs> like death is pretty. Like, like this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like disappointing your friends and family is on a different level than giving into the <laughs> temptation to be evil, which is also on a very different level than death and being alone forever. Like, these are just real all over the place. And I don't quite know what, what's the worst. I think I'm having a hard time with giving into the temptation to be evil because, like, we're not in Power Rangers. So I don't really know what an <laughs> earthly example of this would be. Like, there's not an evil for Like, Voldemort's not in the corner trying to be like, <laughs> Megan, come join the Death Eaters. Like, that's not a fear I have in my life. Um, disappointing friends and family. They already know me. So this is a little, <laughs> you could never disappoint is, me. <laughs> this is a little past death. I feel like isn't my biggest fear. I think how you die is very spooky, but if you're dead, I don't to my knowledge, which is again, very limited from not being the brainiac, but I think to the, to humankind's knowledge, we don't know what'll happen there. So this is all to say, I think being alone forever would be very spooky because I, <laughs> I don't even like being in my home alone. Like a crisp breeze making a spooky sound by the windows is not my favorite. I also spend a lot of time talking to people and like I'm texting people all day, talking to people at work, talking to you on the podcast, checking out uh, Clubhouse, you know, I feel like we're always <laughs> talking. So yes. I think being alone forever, which my assumption of this is you have no one to talk to, which is literally sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> That's a good choice. I think for me, I'm going to pick uh, the very existential crisis of not being able to change the world. Because, you know, I feel like the, to me, what that really means is like, you're like working and trying to make an impact and like just no one cares, which I feel like is my biggest fear. Just, like, people being like, yeah, I don't care. Well, I am not work, but you <laughs> greatly impact my life on a daily basis. Oh, thank you. Now, Kelly, I have a question for you. Yeah. What do you do in your free time? <laughs> <laughs> do you play your favorite sport with your teammates, take martial arts classes, volunteer for your favorite nonprofit, study for your upcoming exams, or practice your cheerleading routines? This is so dumb. I, <laughs> what? I guess. I think this is, this is high school you. Yeah. 
I mean, if it was high school me, the only answer I think would be playing my favorite sport with my teammates. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I believe you were a swimmer. Uh, yes. Which, is that a team sport? Oh, hell yeah, it's still a team sport. You're on a team. Um, you know, I was on a national level relay team, so NBD. But yeah, it's <laughs> so totally a team it. sport. <laughs> yeah, I, I also it. played, yeah, I also played a lot of team sports. Um, so that, that would be mine as well. And fun fact, Kelly and I met because we were both lifeguards. Yes. All right. Which of these colors is your fave? Let's be honest. You knew this was coming. The options are black, blue, green, red, pink, or yellow. Oof. I feel like this is the time to be biased (laughs) if you're going to (laughs) be. What's your favorite color? Out of these... Okay, I wear a lot of black, like almost mm-hmm. exclusively wear black, so I, I I'm am feeling that a little. I'm currently in an all-black tracksuit. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not matching, but I have black, uh, like, kind of like athletic joggers on, and then a black sweater. It's bold of you with two cats. Oh, pff, tell me about it. I've given up. I recently got cats and just my whole life, everything I own is just covered in hair and I vacuum, we do laundry, but it's just, you, the, the key is to get kind of like slippery material. So I wore leggings the other day and oh man, it was a disaster. But some of like the, the joggers that have a little bit more of a slippy top, those seem to be working out well. Yeah, pro tip for anyone, um, I have a cat and a dog, and if you're going to get two animals, get two animals that have the same color fur, because my dog has black fur, and I have an orange tabby cat, so it's, like, hella annoying. Like, I just can't wear any clothes, because no matter what, if I'm wearing white or if I'm wearing black, one of the animal's fur is getting all over it. (laughs) Unfortunately, I have a black cat and a white cat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's brutal man <laughs> I should have thought about this before um, but yeah what, what's your favorite color I think I'm going to stick with black okay now I think I'm actually going to pick green and that's upsetting Ooh. because I understand what this means <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to be honest with this quiz because if I can't be honest with this quiz then what am I doing with my life I mean Rita's pretty cool so okay now which of these animals would you want as your spirit animal so we have tiger lion eagle rhino elephant hmm so I will say I feel like spirit animal is a canceled phrase now but I'm not sure because I feel like it's kind of a yeah I mean because like I think in a lot of, like, indigenous cultures, they actually talk about, like, your spirit animal and stuff. And then, like, you know, us white people kind of took that as, like, what's your spirit animal? Like, I'm going to burn some sage. (laughs) So, but regardless of that, you know, we didn't write this quiz. So what I'm trying to say is don't cancel us. Yeah, I feel like to me what a spirit animal means is, like, what is your Patronus? Yeah, I think that's, that's what we're trying to determine. But I think out of all of these... I'm locked in. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I think... Okay, do you want to tell me what you got first? I'm locked sure. in, too. Okay. I think my spirit animal is a tiger. Ooh, rare. <laughs> rare. <laughs> tiger King and Joe Exotic over here. Yeah. Yeah, you can call me Megan Exotic. Wow, what a timely <laughs> reference. <laughs> Only a year late. <laughs> I mean, this year has all been one blur, right? Like, is... Like, it's almost going to be second March, <laughs> yep. which I'm personally not ready for. No, not at all. Okay. Um, I, How about you? I'm actually, I'm going to pick a lion because I'm not a big astrology person, but I am a Leo and I feel like I have to. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Pick an old school Power Rangers villain. And there are six different Power Rangers villains. We had to look these up. Not going to lie, guys, because we could not remember all of their names. But we have Goldar, the original one. We have Lord Zed. We have our good friend Master Vile. We have Rita Revolto. We have Finster, who is an anthropomorphic Scottish terrier. And we have the OG Rita Revolto. Rita Repulsa. Who are you vibing with? I mean, the anthropomorphic Scottish Terrier is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm, yeah, I'm picking Finster. Um, so he is an intellectual alien scientist and alchemist. And he's kind of Rita Repulsa's go-to monster maker. And he just seems like very wacky and fun. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, he looks really wacky. You know what? I'm going to pick Goldar because, as Rita Repulsa does, I also love gold. Fair. Would you eat gold? Um, I mean, I've definitely eaten, like, gold leaf on stuff, but I don't think I would just, like, nom on, you know, like, a ring or anything. Perfect. So we have our final question. What is your dream job? And it gives some pretty... Uh, it gives some pretty like ideal job <laughs> scenarios for you. Like it kind of feels like there's no wrong answer here. So we have president, athlete, doctor, movie star, or musician. Well, I mean, dream job. Like, does it imply that I'm good at it too? I think so. I think that you would be successful in this career if you chose it. Like, you wouldn't be a struggling movie star or an unintelligent doctor or a bad okay. athlete. Well, I'm definitely going to pick... I'm going to pick musician and assume that this would mean that I was talented Ooh, as well. Yeah, I think I'm going to pick movie star because that nice. would be sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Man. We're like not president. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. Also, we'd have to move to America, which also sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Okay, I, I got mine. Oh, mine's calculating. Tell me who you got. I got the Red Ranger, a natural-born leader, and a star athlete. You're the person everyone knows will save the day. You protect your friends and family like no other, and you definitely have what it takes to be the best Power Ranger of all time. No pressure or anything. We know you can handle it. 
Damn. Wow. <laughs> so I am assuming yours came with this as well, but a very dramatic photo with like a hashtag. Yes, yes leading the charge. Hashtag Whoa. go go. Oh, so mine says fierce and brave. Hashtag go go. The, the Yellow Ranger. You're definitely, yeah, you're definitely the Yellow Ranger. Shy and quiet, you tend to keep to yourself. But when you open up, everyone sees how amazing you truly are. You're the person everyone goes to when they need some serious advice. We know you know this, but you're 100% going to change the world. I feel like this was none of my answers, but that's fine. I would love to be the Yellow Ranger. (laughs) I accept. Yes. Yes. This is great. This quiz was very fun. Uh, maybe this was pretty funny. Maybe we can post it in the show notes so that if you yes. would like to find out which Power Ranger you are, go take the quiz. You can post it on our Instagram photo for this episode. Let us know who you are. Maybe we can get a team together. We are looking for the rest of our Rangers to make a squad. <laughs> yes. If you are the red or yellow Ranger, don't tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're not invited. (laughs) The role is taken. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, this was uh, 2017 Power Rangers. Yeah, a very mediocre movie, but this was a very fun podcast. It was very fun. I feel like throughout the film, maybe I was too down on it. And so if you love this movie, well, you're probably not here with us anymore. But I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm truly sorry. Oh, no, I think we brought up some great points, so. Not not to end, again, being a downer, but their suits are super weird. I don't like them. I like the old suits. You don't like the, like, weird built-in abs? Yeah, I'm not. It's not my favorite. I don't <laughs> love Fair it. enough. And there's, like, a weird, like, belly button where their crystal's being held. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Their power coin is held, like, <laughs> in their belly button, which I really hate. Yeah, like, I don't like Keep it in your pocket. Either. Yeah. yeah, like a normal person. Yeah. Don't, or like, I don't know, you could have done it like in like your chest plate where your heart would be. The belly button seems like a weird move. Yeah, I agree. Especially because we saw them getting really hot. It's like gonna, yeah. it's gonna burn you. Yeah, it's, it's a strange move. But alas, we didn't get to see much of the suits anyway. Yeah, hardly at all. We should have mm-hmm. timed how long uh, the suits were in the movie. Hopefully in the next movie we get a more suit focus. Yes. And I don't think we actually have picked a movie for next week, but I do have a suggestion. Yeah, let me know. How do you feel about watching one of my favorite movies of all time? The Great Point Break, directed by Catherine Bigelow. I've never heard of it. I've never seen it. I will have heard of it and have seen it next time you hear from us. Cool. I'll give you I'll give you like a just a small amount of information about it. it stars Keanu Reeves. Very and nice. And Gary Busey and Patrick mm-hmm. Swayze. Oh. And there's a lot of surfing. <laughs> now you have prefaced this with it is your favorite movie. So I feel like uh, I can't of. I can't come in and trash trash it if i don't love it oh no you can so it's one of my favorite movies because it's very ridiculous 
but just go in being like, I'm going to have fun watching this. Don't take it too seriously. Um, it's very interesting when you look at it as being a female director, which I I kind of love the fact that she made this like really weird action movie and then went on to like win an Oscar. I'm very excited. Um, if people are interested in watching this movie, is it on Netflix? Where can they find it? Yeah, mainly asking for myself. (laughs) Yes. Sorry, I have an app. What do you guys have? I always forget to ask. We have Netflix, Crave, um, Amazon Prime. I think that's it right now. It's on Crave. Perfect. Crave? Great investment. Catch it on Crave. Mainly for our Nathan For You podcast. They have all the Nathan For You episodes. Yeah, definitely check out our Nathan For You podcast if you want to hear us talk about that show. That podcast is called Nathan For Us. Um, Be sure to follow us on Instagram at ExplosionsPod. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us out. And if you have any thoughts on Point Break, feel free to send them our way. Or any thoughts on Power Rangers, honestly. Yeah, if you have any questions about Point Break or things you want us to discuss, feel free to message us on Instagram or Twitter, and we'll definitely include it in the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.